Good morning, church. I'm so sorry I'm not able to be with you this morning, uh, but it brings me great joy and honor to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning, Thomas Hammond. Uh, Thomas currently serves as the executive director for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, where he oversees about 3,500 Baptist churches in the great state of Georgia. Uh, Thomas is passionate about the local church. He is uh, believes in the power of the preached Word of God, and he is motivated to share the gospel with everybody that he comes in contact with. Uh, I consider Thomas to be a dear friend. Uh, he and his wife, Carrie, um, are friends of mine and Angela and the girls. As a matter of fact, uh, Abigail and Avery love Thomas and Carrie simply because they introduced them to Jenny's ice cream. And so I know, church, that you are excited uh, to hear Thomas preach the Word of God to you this morning. Now, before Thomas comes and speak, I want to share with you three things. And number one, I want to remind you that God is good. As you all know, I've been recently diagnosed with rectal cancer. And so I'm now in Houston uh, at MD Anderson, um, receiving another opinion. Now, praise the Lord, uh, this cancer, according to doctors, is very treatable, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, however, there are some difficulties when it comes to surgery by the location of the cancer. Um, without uh, life-altering consequences. So I ask that you continue to pray um, that God is able to heal and we know that He is. The second thing I want to tell you is this, is that your prayers move God to action. Uh, all throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus uh, come in contact with people who boldly approach Him and ask Him to do big, bold things. And multiple times the New Testament says this, and Jesus was moved with compassion. Your prayers move Jesus to action. In the Old Testament, we see Moses pray boldly. We see Abraham pray boldly. Uh, David, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of them pray bold prayers, and it moves God to action. So number one, God is good. Number two, your prayers move God to action. And number three, if you have your Bible, and I'm sure that you do. Thomas, come share a word from God's Word this morning. Praise the Lord for your pastor and his dear wife, Angela, and his two beautiful daughters. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer for them right now? Can we gather together? Uh, Father, we come to you now knowing that you are the great physician. We know that healing comes uh, through your power so we ask now that you would place your hand of healing and protection upon Chris's body, that you would, uh, Lord, grant wisdom and understanding to the doctors and all those who will be doing tests over the next few days. Give them, uh, give them divine wisdom. Give them supernatural understanding. Help them to see everything perfectly so that they might be able to uh, correctly and rightly diagnose not only the, procedure, the procedures that are coming up, but every aspect of what has to happen. We pray now that your, uh, Lord, that your power will be released upon his body and that he would be completely uh, healed and this cancer would be removed. Uh, Father, you have given so much to us. We're grateful. We know that we are completely dependent upon you for everything. We declare to you today that our next breath is an act of your grace. And so I pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the one who has all power, 
and all wisdom. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all. Sorry, and it's under these circumstances, but uh, it is indeed an honor for me to share with you the Word of God this morning as your pastor shared. Pray for them. They are in Dallas right now. They were to be in Houston, but some, uh, you know, Delta's ready when you are, and sometimes <laughs> the weather doesn't cooperate. But anyway, they'll be in Houston very soon, so pray for them. God's not over, not just over our physical bodies. He's over all the circumstances that get us to where we need to be as well. So pray for that. Hey, I want to thank you and your church. You are one of the leading churches in the Georgia Baptist Convention. You know, there are 3,500 plus churches, and that number changes every, every couple of days. It could be a different number. We could have more churches, and we could have a few less. But it is an army of people of God. That's what it is. It's an army of people in this state. About 1.5, 1.6 million Georgians are Georgia Baptists. So about one in 10 people that live in this state go to a Georgia Baptist church or are members of it. And Georgia Baptists are making a significant impact, not just here in, in, uh, in Georgia, but around the world. You know, when you give today, a portion of what you give will send missionaries to a part of the world where there are no pastors, there are no churches. In fact, there are, the gospel isn't being preached and proclaimed like it is today here. And these missionaries are in places where if they're found out why they're really there, they at best could be kicked out of that country. At worst, they could be put in prison or even have their lives taken. And many Southern Baptist missionaries have lost their lives because of their desire to obey the Great Commission and taking the gospel to every corner of the earth. It's worth our lives. It's worth our resources, our treasures. It's worth everything that we have. And so thank you for your giving because we're doing things in Georgia that are desperately needed. I think you possibly know that the Mission Georgia offerings helping in these five needed areas of the lives of many Georgians. In fact, when I share with you about these five areas, this is not an Atlanta problem and it's not a Savannah or Augusta problem. These issues are in every county in Georgia, but it's foster care adoption. 13,000 children right now are in the foster care program, not because they've done something wrong, but because their mother and daddy were seen deemed unfit by the state that they should not have children under their care at this particular time in their lives. And so they needed, uh, they need a place to stay. And so we're encouraging Georgia Baptists to open up their homes and allow these beautiful children to come stay with them for a few weeks, a few months, or however long the Lord would have them stay there. Now, this would be a great blessing for you, your family, and for that child as well. But it's not just foster care and adoption, but it's also literacy. Literacy needs in Georgia are great, and the pandemic made things unbelievably worse. And we know that if a child doesn't read by fourth grade level, at fourth grade, they fall behind quickly in the fifth grade, and then it makes things so much worse for their lives. And so we want churches to come alongside schools to help these kids that are at risk to be reading at grade level. And so we've created a resource called Read Georgia to help churches, to go help schools, to help children. Because if a kid can't read, listen, he can't read the Bible. We know that if a child can't read at fifth grade level, by fifth grade, that they're 70% more likely to be involved in crime, to be on welfare for the rest of their lives, to be involved in gangs 
or to drop out of school, one of those things or even worse would happen. Reading is important for a person to advance in our society. Why wouldn't the church step in the gap to help out? Amen? But not just that, it's also uh, pre- and postnatal care for uninsured mothers. So many moms, so many pregnant women don't have access to health care, therefore they don't have access to doctors and vitamins and all the things that they should be doing to have a healthy pregnancy, a healthy delivery, and a healthy baby. And so we're encouraging doctors and churches to partner together all across our state. But it's immigrants and refugees, and it's also uh, to end the scourge of sex trafficking in our, in our state. Now listen, Georgia Baptists are doing this. Last year we raised about $1.4 million to help push this darkness out of our state and out of the lives of the people in our state. And listen, organizations like Chick-fil-A found out what they're doing and they've come and said, hey, we'll give you more money if you will do more. And we're like, keep bringing it, brother. We'll buy your chicken if you'll bring us the cash. Amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? That Baptist bird is good, isn't it? <laughs> so your church is a significant part of what we're trying to do all across Georgia all across the world. Praise God to be a part of a family like Southern Baptist. Amen. Today I want to share with you from the book of Psalm, Psalms. The Psalms 119, actually Psalm 119 is what we're going to be looking at. And, and I want you to understand this. This message is going to be, um, it's going to be challenging to you. Uh, it's going to be encouraging to you. It's, I think it will be also greatly um, beneficial and um, helping you with a, an understanding of the impact that the Word of God can have upon your life. Now, I, I know that we all have Bibles. In fact, many of us have multiple Bibles. In fact, you may have two or three in your car. I can tell you something. Um, there are places in the world that don't have Bibles. And if they ever received one, it would be as if it was the greatest treasure. They would, they would just, I've seen videos from missionaries in China where they smuggled Bibles into students and seen how these children, these students would grab these Bibles and would weep. And so today I want to just, I want to just encourage you and motivate you to be in the Word like never before. So Psalm 119, I'm going to be actually reading in verse 9, but let me share with you a little bit about Psalm 119 because this is an incredible chapter. It's a, really it's a poetic masterpiece. If you look at it, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's divided up into actually eight line or eight verse sections. And uh, it's incredible how they put it all together in the sense of just speaking about the Word of God. In fact, every verse, 176 of those verses, contain a reference or a direct mention about the Word of God, except for verse 7. And all but 14 verses are written as the author is really talking to God. He, he's directing everything to God. He says things like, it's your Word, God. It, it, it's, it's your precepts, your laws. 
In fact, over and over again through Psalm 119, you'll see uh, words like this, uh, the testimony, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, the word, the promises, scriptures, all, all those things are really pertaining to the word of God. Look with me, if you will, in verse 9, 119. The question is asked here, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for this time in the Word. Father, in Jesus' name, open up our hearts and minds. Help us to be receptive through your Holy Spirit, uh, to receive your Word. May it be planted in our hearts, and may it bring a tremendous harvest of obedience and of excellence and service to you. May we dedicate ourselves like never before to be students of the Word. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off by asking you a question. Do you, do you know what the least read book in the world is? Some might say, it's the Bible. No, that's actually not. In fact, amazingly enough, if the New York Times would allow the Bible to be included on the bestsellers list, listen, it would be number one every week and would have been forever and will be forever because it's the most bought book ever and continues to advance in that way. It's amazing. But the least read book in the world is actually the owner's, the automobile owner's manual. <laughs> Nobody ever reads that book except my wife because we drive around a lot and she just likes to read and see how things work and all these things. She has an inquisitive mind and I, I learn a lot because of what she reads. But, but really, truly, we don't read the automobile owner's manual. In fact, what's amazing is that there is an automobile owner's manual. I mean, think about it. There, there are a group of people, men and women, engineers and scientists and, and all types that have come together in an amazing way to build an automobile. And it's got all kinds of aspects to it, technology and, and everything else, comfort and all those things and then power in the engine and the wheels and axles and Corinthian leather. You remember that? Some of you uh, are not old enough to know about Corinthian leather, but that was in an automobile years ago. But it's amazing. These, these men and women built this automobile, and they put together every part. They designed every part. They put it together, and they know how every part of this automobile works, how it all works together. And listen, then they wrote this book to tell you about every part in the automobile and how they work and then how to maintain them so that there won't be any breakdowns 
so that you can know when you ought to change your oil and, and so on and so forth, brake fluid on. And, and it's amazing, the only time we ever pull out the automobile owner's manual is when something goes wrong. You know, the Bible tells us that you and I were made by God. In fact, the Scripture says that our parts were woven by God. In fact, it goes on to say that we were curiously wrought, which means we were divinely designed. God made you exactly how he wanted you to be. Now, here's something incredible. If you look at your fingertips, you'll see your fingerprints. Can you believe that no one else in the world has your fingerprints? God made you special, wonderful, unique. And God, who makes every part, and he also made you with plan and a purpose, also has given you a, well, a, a manual, a life manual. And he wants you to read it because the amazing thing about God is God says, here's the manual, read it. It'll explain to you about relationships and about life and about marriage and about family and on every aspect of your life. And sadly, oftentimes we only pull it out when something goes wrong. And amazingly enough, the Word of God can keep you from wrong. In fact, Psalm 119, our text starts off with a young man who's well, he's stuck, in a, he's stuck in a mess. In fact, the psalmist asked this question in verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? The word way there is just for, really for his life. And his life is uh, needing cleansing. It needs purifying. In other words, there's some things in his life that actually shouldn't be there because they are, let's just say they're messing life up for him. Can I get a, an understanding? Anybody here ever been there? In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the Word of God says we all have been there. So, this young man whose way needs cleaning, that word way actually is the word picture for being stuck in a rut, stuck in a mess, caught in something that you can't get out of. You know, the Bible talks about those sins that so easily entangle us. I'm sure it looked good from the outside. I'm sure that young man thought, this will make me happy. This will make me popular. This will make me feel important. And I'll understand myself better. I, I'm going to indulge and engage and participate in this, thinking it will set him free and the that whatever it is didn't set him free. It made him a prisoner. It made him a captive. And so the question that the psalmist asked all of us is, how can a young man or a young person or any person who's stuck in a mess, stuck in a rut, get out of that rut? Let's see what the answer is, because we all want to know, don't we? Here's what he says in verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By, listen, by taking heed according to your word. What an incredible thing that is. What we see here is the 
cleansing power of the Word of God. It can literally help pull us out of whatever mess that we're in. I will tell you, in life, we often use other things that we think could help. I mean, we will use our own willpower. You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do that again. And then two hours later, we're doing that. And then we mean it this time. I mean, never again. And then next day, we're doing that. And here's what I've learned in just a few years of living. The flesh will never get me out of what the flesh got me into. What I need is something bigger than me. What I need is something stronger than me. What I need is truth. That Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He said, if you abide in my Word. In other words, if you live well, if you're reading my Word. Listen, I don't want you just to read the Word. I don't want you just to be in the Word, Jesus said. I want the Word to be in you, and I want you to be in You get the picture. In other words, when you're in the Word, the Word now abides in you as well. He said, so if you abide in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed. Now watch this. And you shall know the truth And the truth will what? It'll get you out of whatever mess you're in. That was the Georgia boy translation. All right, you got that. Listen, the holy word of God will grab the front bumper of your life and pull you out of whatever mess you're in. Because it's truth. And when you abide in it, and when you know it, now not just an intellectual knowing or understanding, this knowledge is an application of it to my life. I know it. I am participating. I'm experiencing it. Therefore, it is having an impact upon my life. What is it doing? It's setting me free from all the lies of this world. I no longer have to find myself in bondage. I have been set free by truth. That's why every parent needs to be in the Word of God every day. Why? Because lies are going to be coming at you, and so you need truth to combat it. Every young person needs to be in the Word of God every day. Let me just tell you something. A Sunday morning sermon can't compete with 30 hours of TikTok all week long. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness... He was fasting and preparing for his messianic ministry. What does the Bible say that Satan did? The Bible said that Satan came to him, listen, every day. Oftentimes they say, oh, he came three times. Oh, no, he came every day. We only have three of those encounters recorded for us. But Satan attacked him every day. And when Satan would approach Jesus and appeal to his flesh, to his humanity, when when Satan would approach him and lie to him, what did Jesus use to combat the lies of Satan? He uses the Word of God. You know what Jesus said all three times? Thus it is written. Now, if Jesus uses the Word of God to combat the lies of Satan... Do you think we ought to? Do you think we need the Word? You know, so many times people say this to me, Thomas, I I just don't have time. (laughs) If you just knew how busy I am. 
You would know that I don't have time for the Bible every day. Well, I, I guess you get 14 hours a day and not 24. You know what the average American spent on social media last year? Now, this is not the high one. This is not the low one. This is the average American. You ready for this? 1,400 hours last year. You say, well, how does that break down? Well, that breaks down to 54 days. Well, how does that break down? You ready for this? One 24-hour period a week. You are looking at what other people are doing. Hey, let me just go ahead and say this to you guys. I know what a steak looks like. <laughs> I don't need you to take a picture of what you're eating because while I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly. So can we just go ahead and say no more steaks, all right? That red meat's not good for you anyway, okay? And let me tell you something else. We already know the impact of social media on our lives, don't we? It causes depression and so many other things. Listen, I'm not saying that it's all bad by any means, not, not, but I'm just telling you, when you indulge in it to a point, it can have a negative effect upon your life. You know why? Because you're looking at somebody, their picture, you're going, oh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> and you don't know that they took 800 pictures <laughs> with duck lips to try to get the right filter to make them look 20 years younger, or if they're 15, 10 years older. <laughs> hey, here's what I just want to encourage you. Social media is fun. Don't cause it to ruin and rule your life. Stay in the Word of God. Allow the mirror of the Word of God to show you, you. You know, this morning I got up, I, I, had, I had to use a mirror. You say, well, you, it didn't do too much. No, there ain't a whole lot here. There's not a whole lot here that a wash, a wash rag can't take, uh, take care of, all right? But I still needed a mirror. Why? Because the mirror showed me, my tie straight, everything good, all right. The Word of God shows us us and you need the word you know what it is it's milk for the babe it's meat for the mature believer it's spiritual food that you might grow in your understanding of what really is important and without it you will become spiritually weak Let's look at the next thing here. Not only does the Word of God help to get us out of a mess, <laughs> but there is an incredible thing that has to happen in our lives. You see, there, it, these, there is a commitment that you and I have to have to be in the Word. Look with me at verse 10. It says, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. So he's writing to God and says, God, with everything that I am, I am pursuing you. 
God, please continue to work in my life so that I don't wander away. Anybody here have the tendency of wandering? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 says this, but from there you will seek the Lord, your God, and you will find him. Here, here's, here's the key word. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. My wife and I have been married coming up on 35 years. Today is actually her birthday. Can y'all give her a little bit of... So you're seeing her, you're like, 35 years. You almost have been 10 when she, when she must have been 10 when you got married. She was young. But let me just tell you this. At our wedding, how would it be, oh, I'm sorry, at our, at our anniversary celebration, how would it be if I said to her on our evening that we're out together, hey, Carrie, I want to thank you for 35 incredible years of marriage. I, I, I want to thank you for all the sacrifices you've made to travel around the state with this preacher. I want to thank you for two incredible daughters and all the investments that you have made in all of our lives and so many others. And I just want to talk to you about the future now, Carrie. So from here on, I want to make a promise to you that six days a week, I'm going to be faithful to you. Now, one day a week is going to be about me, but six days a week, I'm going to be faithful to you. You know what's amazing? There's not one person in this room that'd take that. Not one person would say, yeah, that's a good deal. Let me tell you why. Because we all know that almost faithful is unfaithful. The psalmist said, with my whole heart, I am seeking God. God, I'm not cheating on you with the world. God, I'm not cheating on you with the flesh. I'm not going to cheat on you with the devil. I am wholeheartedly pursuing you, and I do not want to wander from your commands because I know they protect me. The third thing I want you to see is this, not only this determination that you and I have to have to, see, to be in the Word, in other words, wholeheartedness is important, but listen, there is this amazing impact the Word of God has. It, it protects us, the protection of, provided by the Word. So we saw that the Word of God can get us out of a mess, but I want you to see what amazing impact the Word of God can have on us as well. Verse 11, your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against Did y'all read that? You mean the Word of God can not only get me out of a mess, but the Word of God can actually help me not get back in that mess? Who wants to live a life like this? Nobody. We want to live a life like this where we're pursuing and growing and stronger and stronger, more and more mature, healthier in our faith. 
Not three weeks on and one week off. No. So the word of God, as it continues to strengthen me spiritually, it helps me to grow that I might not pursue the things of this world, but I'm pursuing eternal things, spiritual things, heavenly things. Hiding the word of God in your heart. What in the world is that? What does that mean? That means you literally are studying it, you're memorizing it, you're meditating upon it to the point where it has an effect upon you. If you read the Word of God this morning and you said, oh, I read, my, I read my 50 verses, but you just read it, then it really didn't really get into you. But what if you had to teach those verses? Would you, would you spend more time in them? You say, absolutely I would. Would you start devouring them? Yes, because here's what I know. The teacher always gets more than the student. Those that work and massage out the truth of that Word, listen, have a far greater benefit than the one just listening. See, that's what he's talking about here. It's something far more than just reading. It's, I want to know it. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Some of you that were, uh, were hippies in the 70s, all right? If I would start with just a few words of one of the Eagles songs, you would be able to sing it with me, wouldn't you? If I went to maybe some Hall and Oates, for those of you in the 80s, or went to a little Molly Hatchet, is that the first time a preacher has ever said Molly Hatchet from this pulpit? <laughs> Probably is, isn't it? I, I like being the first on some things. But anyway, let me tell you why you'd be able to sing them. Because you've heard those songs so often in your life, over and over to now. Those songs are not just on the radio. Those songs are hidden in your heart. But whenever the world comes at you like your pastor just experienced a hit of reality when he's diagnosed with cancer, you think he's going to start quoting some song written by some rock and roll band? No. Let me tell you what he wants to be able to quote. That God is my healer and my provider and my protector and my shield, and my comfort. Hiding the Word of God in your heart. Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I won't be sinning. <laughs> I won't be pursuing the things of this world. Let's look at the next thing very quickly. There, there has to be a devotion of ourselves to the Word of God, yes. But there has to be an adoration of the Word of God as well. Look with me now at verse 14. He says this, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Now, when he says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches, he's saying, I, I love the Word of God more than I love all my wealth. Now, if I were to tell you, man, I love, I love the Word of God more than everything I own, you say, well, you're a Baptist preacher, you don't have much. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I want to remind you who this is writing it. You know who this is? This is the king. This is King David. 
None of us, all of us together, couldn't match his wealth. And King David said, Mm-mm. I love the word of God more than all riches. The way in which we see how much we love it is how much time really we're spending in it. He goes on to this next verse and he says this, I will meditate on your precepts. And how long has it been since you have contemplated the ways of God? Where you just stopped all the chaos and all the confusion and all the craziness and said, I just want to meditate on the Word of God. Now listen, and I want to think about the ways of God. Let me tell you something. It is enriching to your life. That word meditate there is actually the word picture of a cow that early in the morning goes out and enjoys that sweet grass and clover while it's covered in dew. And then you know what a cow does? It then finds a nice cool spot and sometimes lays down and begins to really chew his cud. And he does that all day. It's a process he goes through. And that's the picture of meditating. I'm spending time in the Word of God in the morning, and then all day long I'm just, I'm just enjoying that sweet savor that's in my mouth. It's in my heart. Lifeway Christian Resources did, a, did research on the impact of the Word of God on a person's life. You ready? They asked these people to be in the Word of God four times a week, and then they would come back and do some, really just some analysis of them, the impact that it's had upon them. This is what they, this is what they learned. Of the people that were a part of this study, they came back and said that feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%. Discipling others jumped 230%. I will tell you one thing. If I were the devil... I would do everything I could to keep you out of the Word of God. I'd make you think you're too busy for it. There's a reason why God wrote you this love story. It's because He made you every part. And He has plans for you every day and through his spirit and through his word he will guide you now if you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus I want you to understand something this is so important that's the most important decision that a person can make in fact listen to me there's no other decision that even comes close to that decision. You know, those people in the Ukraine, they're going through a horrible time right now because of the attack of Russia upon their freedom and their, their lives. You know what their greatest need is? 
Jesus. Listen, no matter what the circumstances, your greatest need is still Jesus in your life. You say, when you say Jesus is my greatest need, what do you mean? Well, the Bible tells us that every one of us, all of us, have sinned. In fact, the Bible says there is none righteous. You know, you know how COVID impacted everybody in Brunswick and everybody in Savannah and everybody in Macon and everybody in Atlanta, in fact, everybody in Georgia and everybody, everybody everywhere. COVID, a virus, impacted all of our lives. Let me tell you something far worse than COVID. Sin has impacted all of our lives. And Jesus is the one that can enable us to have our sin forgiven. Because of sin, we all have a debt to a holy and a righteous God. And God who is holy and righteous must punish sin. But God who is infinite in his righteousness is also infinite in his love. Now listen to this. And God sent a substitute. You say, how do you know that? Because the word of God tells us. God sent a substitute, his son Jesus, born of a virgin, divine in his nature, yet still human, lived a sinless life, and then went to a cross that was not his. It was the punishment that we owed, the price that we owed to God. But Jesus bore our sin. He took on, as the Isaiah, as the prophet said, he was crushed by our iniquity because God laid upon him the sin debt of us all. And when Jesus took the sin debt, the penalty of sin is what? Death. He died for our sin. But then three days later, what happened? I'm just getting y'all ready for Easter, okay? Three days later, what happened? He rose. How does that affect you? How does something that happened 2,000 years ago affect you? Because all, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus paid that sin debt for you if you will place your faith, your trust, your life, your everything in Him. If you will acknowledge Him as Lord of your life. And say, today, Jesus, I'm not perfect. No, no, have you ever been? And Jesus, I'm sure in the future I won't be perfect. I can promise you you won't be. But here's what I do know. Listen. Jesus, you are perfect. And the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become, listen to this, the righteousness of God. God declares us righteous when we place our faith, 
and the one who is. If you've never done that, listen, this is the, this is the incredible thing about salvation. It is a free gift that God gives to us. He extends it out to every one of us. Now, it's a spiritual gift, so you can't see it, and it must take the hands of faith to accept it. And so if you'll reach out this morning with the hands of faith and say, yes, I can't promise you every day will, every day will be sunny, because it won't. I can't promise you that everything will go your way. I can just tell you right now, Brother Chris can tell you, if he had his way, he wouldn't be in the midst of this. But I can promise you, in every storm you're in, listen, Jesus will be right there with you. You say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. How wonderful. What do I need to do? Ask. <laughs> Ask and you shall. Oh, I love a church that knows the word. So you say, how do I ask? Well, let me help you with that. Can I? Would you all bow your heads for just a moment? This morning, if your heart's desire is to say an eternal yes to Jesus, then I want to ask you to pray this with me and pray it to Jesus, trusting in Him and Him alone because He's the only one who can save you. Don't trust this preacher for one minute. It's all about Jesus. But if it's, if it's your heart's desire for Christ to be Lord of your life, then pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you've died on the cross for my sin. And right now I place my faith, <laughs> my trust, my life, my everything in you. Right now, I declare that you are my Lord. I acknowledge you now as Lord of my life. And I declare that I am yours and you are mine. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to never be ashamed of you. Now, as we stay with the attitude of prayer with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer with me just then, you meant it with all your heart. You said, Thomas, I meant it. I want to pray for you right now, but I need to know who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but in the privacy of where you're seated, you say, I prayed that prayer. Would you let me know right now by just quietly slipping up your hand? Just raise it up as high as you can. Say, I prayed that prayer. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young lady. Anybody in the balcony? In just a moment, I'm going to say a word of prayer. And when I say amen, we're going to stand to our feet. And I want to encourage all of you who made that decision this morning for Jesus. I'll be standing down front here to, to really to, to help you in this brand new life of Christ as your Lord. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Whatever decisions you need to make, maybe you're looking for a church home, you come. I'll pray, we'll stand, sing, and you come. Father, in Jesus' name, may each of us be obedient to you. May you be glorified. As our hearts are surrendered, our lives are yours. And we pray all this now in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together.